listening to the Recovering Methodism Podcast, a global Methodist voice for navigating life and ministry in the 21st century, tackling the issues impacting the church, and recovering the distinctly Methodist practices to participate in the next great awakening. And now your hosts, David Cady and Caleb Spiker. And we're back. What a beautiful... Tuesday in February, there is not anything more that we could ask for. I I, I just want to thank Al Gore for global warming. Like, February is not supposed to be 47 and sunny with a light breeze. It's, it's marvelous. Like, thank you, Al Gore. You know, Caleb, I'm sitting here looking out the window... Now, I'm still mad at him for inventing the internet, because I think that's just a terrible thing for society, as you listen to this podcast on the internet. Welcome to. <laughs> However, thank you, Al Gore, for global warming. What a what a joy. Welcome to the Recovering Methodism podcast. I'm looking out the window, Caleb, and it's sunny, and it's like 50 degrees today. Amazing. And I can't help but go back to 1991. I'm on the campus of... Ohio University, and we had a we had a February almost just like this, and I can remember playing basketball behind McCracken Hall and just taking names and uh, putting it out on the court. And uh, my buddy and I, this is a true story, it was sixty five degrees in Athens, and we went to Richfield Coliseum uh, to watch the Cavs, and we didn't really understand lake effect snow, <laughs> and so we came out after the game, and there were six inches of snow, and it was like 15 degrees. And you were there in gym And we're in shorts, yeah. right, and no coats, and uh, we weren't prepared for it. And so I don't think that's going to happen today in Columbus because it's just so beautiful, but uh, it is good to be on the podcast, and we're glad that uh, folks have tuned in today, not to hear the weather. Thankfully. Not to hear the weather, uh, but to uh, hear a little bit uh, regarding our big idea today, mm-hmm. which is what? What is our big idea? Uh, we are talking about reading the Bible. And I'm... not just uh, not just to do a task, not just to check a box, not just to prepare a sermon, uh, but reading the Bible devotionally. What a concept. Reading the Bible devotionally, which is important for clergy and laity alike. That's right. And the trap that we often fall in, we'll just we'll just approach it first from a clergy perspective. The trap we often fall in is, as you said, just reading it for the next sermon yep. or reading it for the Bible study in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you're familiar with the text that you're going to be teaching or preaching on on a day or two uh, uh, later on in the week. Or the trap from a lady perspective, which is, you know, I need to read the Bible more and it's first of the year and I'm going to start a new... Um, resolution, and you get about three weeks into it, and uh, you now you you pass Genesis and into Leviticus or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Exodus was pretty cool, but Leviticus is. And then you get to Numbers, and yeah, you get to Numbers right at the wrong time. <laughs> but but let's just be fair and say that what happens oftentimes, clergy and laity alike, is we start to approach our time in God's Word. Um, with less heart and more head, mm, mm-hmm. and uh, we see it as a task, and we check the box, and uh, we don't actually spend the time that we need to, just kind of soaking mm-hmm. in the scripture and allowing the Spirit to speak to us uh, through uh, the holy, the holy, the holy writ, as I they used to call it in seminary. Yeah. So now I, I wanna I wanna take a moment here and uh, go ahead and and name that. It's better to read the Bible with a bad attitude than to not read the Bible at all. Okay. That God and His grace can still show up sometimes and shake us. And even though we think we are just getting to the end of the task and checking the box, that God can still show up in the midst of that. Fair enough. That there's still some habit formation that can be beneficial to the Christian life. Fair enough. And so sometimes you just kind of have to plow through that and trust that uh, God's going to redeem it, even if your attitude stinks. Wouldn't be the first time God has redeemed a bad attitude in my life. I can't speak for you, but in my life, I've seen that happen over and over again. 
one of the things that I uh, discovered relatively early on, um, when I least want to go to church, when I least want to read the Bible, when I least want to pray, tends to be the uh, those times that God's slugging percentage is highest. That's a good analogy. I like that. So sometimes uh, we'll say it this way, God does his best work when we're not our best. That's been my experience. Yeah, I would agree with that. So if you're listening, clergy, laity alike, and you find yourself in a dry season mm-hmm. when it, with your approach to the scripture, um, ask God for uh, a time of refreshing. Yeah. Um, so I'll say it this way. If you're in a dry season, just understand this. Dry seasons can turn into droughts, and droughts can turn into deserts. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if you find yourself in a dry season... Um, Ask the Lord to bring you a time of refreshing, a season of refreshing. It may need for you to to change your approach a little bit on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And today we want to talk about a variety of ways that one could uh, approach the scriptures that uh, perhaps is a little more helpful and life-giving mm-hmm. in the devotional life of an individual. So... Um, well, what may be helpful, Dave, first is to um, kind of flesh out a little bit the difference between... Uh, a task-oriented reading of Scripture in a more relational-oriented, mm. um, you know, devotional way of of reading the Scripture. Okay. Well, let's just let's just start there then. Um, sometimes people will will get involved in a uh, a plan to read the Scriptures through the year, and they'll check off the boxes, and and sometimes we get into uh, the habit of you know preparing for tasks, and we approach the Scripture that way. What would it look like? What needs to happen for it to be more relational and relationship building um, in an approach for devotional Bible reading? Well, I, I don't think the answer is just to not have a plan. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's more about our approach within the framework that's constructed uh, then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's discipline, not motivation. That's good. Right. Um, you know, I think it's a uh, second Peter where Christians are told to, you know, walk in faith, not to somersault in faith, uh-huh. not to sprint in faith. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's, you know, anyone can, uh, muster up the motivation to do something once. Um, but that, discipline to keep coming back mm-hmm. and to um, and to create the space for God to dwell in your presence um, and for you to to experience the the gift of God's grace through the study of scripture through the reading of scripture through you know putting yourself into the story and um, you know seeing what what God wants to do with that that time. I like that. I like that concept of emphasizing discipline over motivation. Motivation will only get you so far, um, and chances are, if you if you rely on motivation, um, you're going to run out of gas pretty quick. Yep. In anything in life, gym membership, cleaning the house, and especially in your relationship with the Lord. And uh, do you have a do you have a favorite um, Bible translation that you go to? Do you have a a particular um, Bible that you use for... I I have a preaching Bible, Mm. and I have a study Bible. And my preaching Bible's leather-bound, and I've got notes in it, and and I tape things in it, things Mm -hmm. like that. But my my study Bible, or my devotional Bible time, is 30-plus years old, and it's got notes everywhere and highlighted. And and Do you have have a particular Bible you use for your devotional time? Um, So... Here recently, uh, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I've been using an app. Now, why are you embarrassed to admit that? Because I'm a Luddite. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm 1994 Amish, Dave. <laughs> this is true. Um, but, you know, uh, my friend uh, Ty Williams, pastor uh, at Hoffman Memorial, um, down there in West Milton, he turned me on to uh, the Katana app, C-A-T-A-N-A, uh, and it has 
a bunch of uh, commentaries and sermons from the first five centuries of the church that are linked up verse by verse. Well, how cool is that? Yeah. Now, let's, tell me the app again. What's it called? Uh, Katana, C-A-T-A-N-A, um, which I believe is the Latin word for sword. Yeah, this one. Very cool. It's a little... Uh, in the app store, it's a little red cross or white cross on a red background. I see it. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, I for me um, in the season that I have been in, uh, I need to get out of um, my own way in a lot of things. Um, so you know, in my prayer life, reading the prayers of others has been really beneficial in this season. Um, and in my, my devotional Bible reading, being able to read the scripture alongside, um, you know, the, the sermons of, uh, John Chrysostom and Ambrose of Milan and St. Augustine, um, St. Athanasius, you know, these, uh, Clement of Alexandria, these, you know, these early church fathers, um, has really brought the scripture to life in, in new and interesting ways. Well, I bet it has. Appreciate that little insight. Some people use the version app, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with using an app, right? Uh, I'm, uh, I, I use those in, uh, I'll say, in, in times of emergency when I don't have a, a, <laughs> a paper Bible, a paper Bible yeah. in front of me, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I'm wired um, to use a physical Bible, mm-hmm. um, the one that I'm most familiar with, and I have notes jotted everywhere through previous years of study and insights that I've read in commentaries or in conversations with other people or listening to sermons. Uh, that's just kind of my little filing system, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, mine's a, a, a new international version. And I always like to preface that by saying a 1984... An 84 NIV. A 1984 yeah. NIV. Uh, NIV. NIV was updated right early 2000s or so. I think it was 2005. Yeah, early 2000s, so it 15, was, uh, 20 years ago. So when I first started college, you could get the 84 NIV, and that was called the NIV. Yeah. And then there was the TNIV, which was today's NIV. Oh, how about that? And now the 84 is no longer in production, and the TNIV has become the NIV. Sure. And so oftentimes if you go to a Bible Gateway or a Blue Letter Bible online, you're going to get the, the newer yeah. uh, NIV, um, which, you know, in most cases it's pretty much straightforward, but there are some nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, some people prefer um, ESV or uh, maybe old school RSV or even... King James. Um, but do you have a particular version that you like? It depends on where I'm reading, right? So uh, if I'm in the Psalms, uh, I either want King James or uh, one of the Catholic Bibles because they pay attention to meter. It actually reads like poetry. Oh, that makes sense. Um, if I am reading the letters of Paul, I want the NASB because it pays attention to grammar and the key to unlocking Paul's letters is understanding his argument, which he makes with grammar. That's good. Um, other places, I'm a equal opportunity user. I'm perfectly happy in the NIV, NRSV, ESV, sure. Holman, Christian Standard, sure. Net. The Net's a, an interesting Bible because um, it has like, 69,000 translator notes um, because it started online as this like debate between, you know, Greek nerds. Um, (laughs) So those arguments are in the translator notes. Um, So it's a, it's a fun Bible to read. That's interesting. So let's, let's assume that maybe there's uh, some listeners out there that are, are not clergy type. Let's say they're, you know, lay folks, or maybe it's someone who's just stumbled upon, uh, across this particular podcast and are like, Hey, they're talking about the Bible. I've been feeling like I need to get into that. What do you say to someone who, who says, you know, the Bible's so intimidating. I don't really understand it. Uh, I don't know where to begin. Um, but I feel like, I feel like I, I need to, I need to be in it. What do you say to someone who's maybe coming at it from that approach? They don't know where to start. They don't want. To I agree it. with you. 
<laughs> you do need you do need to be in it. Yeah. It's it, it's the the book, right? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I mean, what I can sort of start with is is the way we um, the way we approach scripture with our kids, um, and you know, at this point, it is mostly kind of a, a two pronged approach, right? So we have. Um, you know, the household of prayer that we read together, which gives us a, a daily psalm, um, you know, some scripture memory, some some other liturgical pieces. Um, and then from a, a story standpoint, like there's there's nothing wrong with using a children's story Bible. Got that right. To learn the story. Got that right. Um you know, like there's there's a real I mean, I, this is going to sound like, and and I I would be I would be a little bit hesitant. Um, I, like I'd have to make sure I I know the person and that they wouldn't be they wouldn't find this patronizing. But like the Jesus Storybook Bible is probably the right Bible for a first time Bible reader. Okay. To you know get into the stories to see how the stories link up together to to get that sort of big arcing picture yeah. of you know the bible as a story. I was hoping you'd say that. The the big overarching story. And so helping I think it's helpful for folks to understand to learn to understand the meta narrative of the scriptures mm-hmm. and understand that some of the bigger theological themes that are emerged that are embedded I should say and emerged through the the stories of the scripture and not see them as just piecemeal stories that are mm-hmm. thrown together. Uh there's an overarching story from the yep. bible. So I appreciate that. What's the name of that children's Bible? Uh, Jesus Storybook Bible, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Great. Um, It's excellent. Good. We'll have to check that out. Um, We're going to get into some details when we go to the library here and then later on in the toolbox. But just overall, I I was thinking today, I I did a funeral this morning, and those people that uh, uh, aren't necessarily connected to a church, and so um, we take time in those settings to... um, come alongside of folks and mourn with them and celebrate a person's life as, as we are uh, able to do and so on and so forth. But uh, at the end of the time together, there's an opportunity to share truth. Mm. And uh, as I was driving home, I, I was thinking of the quote from, I think it was from Bono from U2, who said they have three chords in the truth. That's all, that's all they do is they just offer three chords in the truth. It's a Bob Dylan quote, but yeah. Yeah, well, Bob Dylan's a different era, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Bono may have co-opted it. Um, and I thought, I don't even have the three chords. All I've got is a red guitar. There you go. Three chords and the truth. Uh-huh. Well. The rest is up to you. <laughs> I don't even have the three chords. Okay. <laughs> all I have, I'm just a pastor. Yep. Uh, all I have is the truth. And to be able to speak truth into um, people's lives um, is is quite a gift and quite an opportunity and quite a, a responsibility. Um, and we believe that that truth is found uh, primarily um, in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And it's incumbent upon us to to be able to understand it and communicate it in a way uh, that creates the space for God to move and bring life in the midst of all the struggles and problems and death that surrounds people mm-hmm. uh, in our world. Um, as I think about that, Caleb, um, there there's so much falsehood in this world. Uh, you can't turn on ESPN all right, you can't even turn on ESPN without dealing with deceit, you know. Yep. Yep. Um, let let alone all the 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 your, your you know your your network news stations of choice or whatever. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and so it's incumbent upon someone uh, to spend time in the Scripture to to hear what God has to say, um, and not as an abstract abstract truth, but as a truth that's expressed through relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. And if you're listening, we just want to encourage you to do just that, to, to, to seek God through the Scriptures. Wesley called it searching the Scripture. Mm-hmm. And searching the Scriptures was, was and continues to be described as a means of grace, a way in which God imparts grace into your life. Yeah, uh, Carl Barth said, uh, uh, anyone can read the Scriptures, but it's only in the power of the Holy Spirit that the Scriptures can read us. Oh, I love it. I love it. 
Well, that's, uh, I think, a good place for us to transition to uh, the library today. And so uh, let's go to Caleb's library and see what we can find. And now it's time for Caleb's library. Library time. My kids love library time. Who, got, do, who doesn't? I mean, heathens. <laughs> Philistines. Philistines don't like library time. There is a new library that's built like two minutes from my house uh, in Liberty Township. And it is beautiful. And I need to go visit. Uh, I haven't, I've driven past it. Uh, it's a Delaware County uh, Library Extension Office type of thing. It's gorgeous. Do you have a Delaware County Library? Class? I will, if I don't already. How how long have you lived in Delaware? Hey, I may have one. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh, just the you know the sm- I love the smell of a bookstore or you know or something mm-hmm. like that. So I'm gonna have to visit the library. But we are in Caleb's library today, and with one of your books, with one of my books. So that's kind of a rare occasion, right? And I mean, this is it's a special day. It's a special day. Mark it down on your calendar. I did. I did. So we just want to take a quick look at a book that uh, has been helpful to me over the years. Um, it's a book by Wayne Cordero, who uh, was the pastor, I believe, of New Hope Church in uh, Honolulu, Honolulu, right? Hawaii. Um, um, what a place to serve, right? Um, I, I, re- I heard somewhere on a podcast, I believe it was, that uh, the only state in the union that has a positive net gain of churches is Hawaii. Yep. Primarily because of Cordero and his, and, and some, there's another pastor, I forget the name of. Ralph Moore. There you go. I knew you'd know. And their, their church planning efforts in Hawaii. Really cool. So uh, Ed Stetzer studied Ralph Moore. And uh, so Wayne Cordero planted out of Ralph Moore's church. Okay. Right. Um, And over the 30 years that Ralph Moore was there, they planted something like 75 churches. And those 75 churches planted another thousand churches. And those, no, that can't be right. Those 75 churches planned like another 100 churches. And like, so you go and you look at the ripple effect. Sure. And it's something like 2,400 churches over the last 30 years can trace their roots back to um, Ralph Moore and, and Hope Chapel there. In That's there. awesome. And nuts. I think, just a, just a mental note here, I think that would be a great um, big idea podcast conversation mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps we could reach out to Steve Corder over in Pittsburgh the River Network and have some conversation about church planting yeah. mental note duly noted we'll get to that so what do you want to know about the divine mentor from the library today get any questions I I know nothing about the divine mentor so the the world is your oyster oh man all right well it's a book from 07 I think um I, I think I picked it up around 09, mm-hmm. 2009, and uh, the concept of the divine mentor is that the Bible is full of people who can mentor us. There are people, historical, um, and individuals from the scripture that uh, whose narratives are embedded in the story of God's story in this world, mm-hmm. whether it's Abraham or Sarah, whether it's Isaac or Rebecca or Jacob and Leah or Rachel, um, whether it's a New Testament. Right, whether it's Mary and Joseph, whether it's Peter or Andrew, uh, or the Apostle Paul, or some almost obscure individual, right? Uh, I think of Eutychus, the kid that fell out the window in the Book of Acts. Um, there, there are people throughout the Scriptures that God can use to teach us something uh, about their lives, positively or negatively, uh, how they did things right, or how they screwed it up and found God's redemption. 
there are all kinds of mentors that we can find in the scripture. And, and so the, the concept of, of Cordero's book is we need to immerse ourselves in the Word mm-hmm. uh, to learn from these individuals uh, what God has to say to us in our lives, uh, which I think is very cool. And I'll just say it this way. We, we spent some time in the, in the big idea portion of our podcast um, leaning a little more towards um, those who are not professional Bible readers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's lean back a little more heavily into those who may be professional Bible readers, the pastors who may be listening. And uh, sometimes, and I felt this way throughout my career, that there are times you're like, I just don't know what to preach about right now. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what to say. And the the truth is, there's there's a plethora of things to say, and the Spirit's always bringing life uh, to the Word of God. And so it's incumbent upon us to find fresh approaches to um, how we kind of mine that out of the mm-hmm. bold mind of God's Word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I say fresh approach, I don't mean reinventing uh, the interpretation of the Scripture uh, or reinventing our uh, how we preach it, but really changing our heart as we try to uh, have a, a, a fresh awakening of what God is saying to us. Um, so there's a particular approach to um, devotional reading of the scripture that Cadero uh, puts forth in his book. It's called the Soap Study. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell uh, me more. S O A P. Uh, S is for scripture. O is for observation. A is for application. P is for prayer. And the idea is, in a daily reading plan, uh, you spend time with uh, four sections of scripture: Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms. Um, gospel reading, and you read through those four sections of Scripture, and then you hone in and ask the Spirit to guide you to one, or one particular sentence, or one particular word, and then you journal about that. Hmm. And so in your journal, you write down the S that you're going to focus on. What's the Scripture you want to focus on today? And it may be, I don't know, we'll just one of our fo- foci lately has been the Lord's Prayer, and mm-hmm. we focused last week on Matthew 6, 11, give us today our daily bread. And maybe that becomes a focus. Mm-hmm. And then you spend some time reflecting on and prayerfully considering observations you make about that. And it's amazing if you give God just a little bit of attention and time <laughs> and give the Word just a little bit of space and the Spirit a little bit of space in your life, how the, the creative juices begin to flow and you have some things that you can write about and mm-hmm. think about and allow God to speak to you in the observation of His Word. Um, for those who are familiar with Scripture, just to, just to focus on uh, a phrase or a section of the Bible will often bring other truths and stories of the Scripture to, to light. Mm. Um, just as an example, as I'm thinking about Matthew 6, 11, uh, I can't help but think of Elijah in, in the, the ravine being fed by the ravens, mm. right? How, how God... <laughs> Uh, provided for Elijah in the midst of uh, of a drought, and was fed by the ravens. Ravens don't don't share anything. No, uh, but but God had the ravens share bread with Elijah. Mm. So just an observation. And then there's the section um, for the letter A, which is application and how does this apply to my life? And it gets very practical. And it may be one thing that applies, or it may be three things that apply, and you just write about it. Uh, and then the end is the prayer in which you write a prayer in your own words to uh, ask God to um, help you apply those things to your life, or if there's a time of repentance that you need to to turn from some things, uh, or just to thank God for the new insights that you gained or old truths that were reaffirmed. And uh, it could take 15 minutes, or it could take, you know, a, a, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Depends on how much time you want to give to it. Uh, not everybody has an hour and a half every day to spend in Bible study, uh, but 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, um, if you want to grow in your faith, you're going you're gonna to need to find the time to do that. That's right. And so uh, just from the library today, Wayne Cordero's book, The Divine Mentor, um, the, the subtitle of the book is Growing Your Faith as You Sit at the Feet of the Savior. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that uh, you just set aside time uh, to immerse yourself in Scripture, and in, in, in this case, a very structured way uh, by journaling using the SOAP study method. 
I, I'm glad that you uh, said something about the time and effort it requires to grow spiritually. It's there's nothing in this life that we, if we want to develop, it just happens accidentally. Easy, easy, don't pay the rent, does it? Easy, don't pay the rent. Um, you know, if you want to get stronger, you know that happens by pushing iron and eating a lot. If you want to uh, get thinner, that comes from moving your body and eating less. Mm -hmm. Um, But nothing just sort of, you know, we can't can't think our way out of the ruts that we're in, right? There has to be new habits that are established. So, And circling back to the big idea conversation in the previous segment, you can't rely on motivation to get that done. That's right. It requires discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, requires strategy, requires maybe a support network of accountable accountable partners who will say, "How's that going?" or "Let's do this together," mm-hmm. or or um, whatever it takes to make it happen. If it's important, right? If it's important to you, it's going to happen, and so you have to you have to dedicate yourself to that process, whatever whatever your goal is. So in the in the fifteen or so years that you've used soap uh, as part of your own devotional life. Um, have you had periods of time where you've had, uh, you know, a group of people who are lathering up together? Yeah. I, I was waiting for you to continue with that question. Uh, yeah. I mean, there've been times when I partnered with people to say, let's do soap studies together. Mm-hmm. And then once a week we'll come together for lunch and we'll kind of unpack things and, uh, we'll share or we'll share our insights mm-hmm. and, um, that's been helpful to say, well, I didn't think of it that way, or that I didn't focus on that, or yeah, I, I focused here, and this was what I got, or maybe they did overlap, and like, that's, that's fantastic. And so that's helpful sometimes to have uh, one or two or three people that you gather with mm-hmm. just to compare notes. Uh, whether it's a soap study or whether it's a different process, uh, it's good to, to have uh, uh, people on your team. Have you found that... Um having teammates in the journey uh, increases your ability to uh, be disciplined to the process and not skip? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like going to the gym. If you're meeting someone at 5 a.m. at the gym and you don't show up and uh, that continues after three or four or five days in a row, uh, they may find another workout partner. That's right. Right? And so uh, there's that... It's a balance, I think, of encouragement uh, and accountability, uh, which is important, especially from a, a Wesleyan approach mm-hmm. to the Christian faith, to have that balance of encouragement and accountability, um, and specifically applying it now to devotional Bible reading um, and uh, searching the scriptures, I think that's it's critical. Mm-hmm. And what a gift to realize that, hey, I don't have to do this on my own. Uh, there are people who can uh, partner with me in this process, and together uh, we can be in a different place um, six months from now or nine months from now or a year from now than we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if someone's listening and they're in a dry spot in their ministry, um, why, not, why not find a way uh, to get two or three or four folks around you, clergy or laity alike, and uh, dedicate yourself to um, some devotional Bible reading, whether it's a soap study or something else. Uh, whether it's a layperson who's just starting out and, and trying to figure out how to navigate faith, what a perfect way to, to grow. Um, so I, I recommend this book highly. It's been very impactful to me. And uh, find a little journal and, and jot down your notes and, uh, and uh, watch what God will do with it. So are there other parts in the book that are beneficial or did you just give away the uh, the the big nugget? Uh, I kind of gave away the big nugget. Okay, right. That's the gist of the book. Each chapter um, is is dealing with listening for God and and learning from the the people in the scriptures that uh, have have something to teach us about what it means to live in relationship with God. Um, and then the second part of the book is okay, how do you practically do this? Um, and and the soap study method is unpacked in the second half of the book. And so that's that's the gist of the book. It's an easy read, um, and so um, it's been useful to me, and I highly recommend it. 
Uh, I don't know if it's in print anymore. I don't remember. I remember we did it at a church 15 years ago, and it was hard to come by then. Mm. Um, and so uh, I'm sure there are copies out there, um, but we we struggled to get uh, copies. Um, so it, it, you might be able to find find it on Amazon or in a, in a used bookstore. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty easy concept to follow when you think about it. But uh, yeah, it was very helpful. You bet. Now for some practical wisdom for church leaders. Let's open up the pastor's toolbox. in a more, uh, we'll say, intentional process for devotional Bible reading. Yeah. So in the, in the library section, we talked about soap study. Mm-hmm. That's one way to do that. It is certainly not the only way a person can do that. And I, say, I think it's important that as a person engages in devotional Bible reading, uh, they need to find something that works for them mm-hmm. and then have some other ways of engaging in that so that there are new, fresh approaches that a person can't engage in. So uh, just using the metaphor of a physical exercise, if I do the same things every day, um, my body gets used to that, right? And so you kind of have to... Little chicken legs. (laughs) You'll be a girly man. Exactly right. So you have to mix it up a little bit, and it just keeps things interesting anyway and fresh. Um, And so same is true for other aspects of life. And so with uh, devotional Bible reading, we want to just unpack the toolbox here and talk about some other ways that a person can in- engage the scriptures. And so I know one of the things that you talk about quite often is Luther's approach or Luther's yeah. meditation. Now, before you unpack that, share with us where you first heard it. Yeah. Um, so I was listening to a Tim Keller sermon from the 90s sometime. Um, while doing the dishes. What better way to listen to Tim Keller? Yeah. And uh, he kind of went off on this tangent um, of, you know, what it is to meditate. You know, so he talked about the difference between like transcendental meditation, what it is to meditate as a a Christian. It's not about like, uh, it's not about like emptying yourself. It's about, you know, focusing yourself. Right. Um, And he began talking about what uh, Martin Luther's method was. Um, and I mean, it wasn't the the purpose of the sermon, but it's the only part of that sermon that I remember. And so is it right. is it fair to say that perhaps this was not even in his his outline or his notes? It sounds like it was almost a, oh, by the way, let me share something with I you. I would not be surprised if it was a, oh, oh, actually, I think this fits pretty good right now. Here, we're going to talk about this thing. Which, by the way, is just a little nugget of uh, of truth for any preachers out there, people um, listen to the Spirit as you're preaching, because sometimes yep. the nugget that people will take away was really not even something you'd planned to share. Yep, not in the manuscript. So share with folks today about uh, what Keller spoke of regarding Luther's approach to meditation. Yeah, so so Luther's method for, for meditating upon the Scriptures... Um, starts with taking a section of scripture and writing down that which is true. Um, you know, it can be a whole page of truths, it can be one truth, but like something that is true. And then looking at those truths and saying, what about this is good news? Um, what about this this claim, this maxim, this, this truth, uh, why is this good news? And then in light of the, the truth given by Scripture and the good news that it is, um, how does it call me to live differently? Like, of what do I need to repent? Um, what are the um, wrong beliefs that I have that I need to repent and believe something different? What are the wrong behaviors that I'm engaged in that I need to repent and do something different? Um, 
what are the things that I've been ignorant of that now I am aware of and I need to repent of my ignorance and believe what is true? Um, and then, you know, once, once you've answered the question of what should I be repenting, uh, then you ask, what does the Spirit invite me to ask for? Um, in light of this scripture, in light of this, uh, this truth, in light of the, the good news of it, um, in light of the way it has exposed what is either malformed within me or unformed within me, you know, what can I be asking uh, the Spirit to give me in this season? Um, and I found that to be a really helpful uh, four questions for, for working through uh, a section of Scripture. So let me just uh, dig a little deeper into the toolbox and I know this Sunday you're going to be preaching on prayers of confession Yeah. Um, as we continue to work our way through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I think your focus is going to be more along the lines of forgive us our trespasses mm-hmm. or debts, as the case may be, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm-hmm. And so let's say, for example, a person is, is looking at Matthew 6, verse 12, and is reading that text, and that becomes the the focus of of their time in the Word. So, what what's true about that? What could be a truth that is um, gleaned from that? And obviously, in that verse, in that conversation, it deals with forgiveness. Yeah. Okay. And so, there's a truth there that uh, there is a need for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what's the good news? And that God is one who will forgive. Well, that's the good right? news, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that not the good news uh, that, of uh, of the Scripture and the Gospel, is that forgiveness is available. Mm-hmm. And um, so what about repentance? How does, I mean, where does that play, play in? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd, go, I'd go a step deeper and say, if, if our ability to be forgiven is tied to our ability to forgive. Um, there is, there is something broken in our understanding of sin and wrongdoing and repentance and restoration. If given the things that God is willing to forgive us of, there's something that we are unwilling to forgive. Um, so you know the the truth becomes something like you know God's forgiveness is so great that there is nothing that I should hold in resentment towards someone else. Um, and the good news being that like you know if there is nothing I can do or nothing that you can do that can separate us from forgiving one another and from God forgiving us, like that's that's a big deal. Right, that neither the sins we've committed or the sins that have been committed against us can ultimately um, separate us from from God and and what He desires for us. So then, the the repentance is that my view of forgiveness is entirely too paltry. That I need a more robust view of. God's capacity to forgive. Um, and what I need to ask for is uh, the courage to believe and to um, operate in such a way that what I believe is true up here, what you know this this intellectual exercise is, has demonstrated to be true in my frontal cortex, uh, will make its way into my will, and that I'll actually be able to forgive the person who's wronged me most deeply. Sure. And uh, I, w- I would say that um, one of the things, at least in my life, that I need to ask God to do or the Spirit to do is help me to experience it. Hmm. So um, it's one thing to, to, to know what the Scripture says, to you know, do the Greek study on it, uh, to see where it's used in other places. You need your heart to be strangely warmed. Yeah. So so you to can ex- be assured. To experience God's forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and, and what that does, of course, is it's like Isaiah in Isaiah 6. And all of a sudden, Isaiah realizes 
he's a man of unclean lips, and he's around people who are have un, unclean lips, and he's seen he's seen God, mm-hmm. right? And so that was this experience that changes his life, and um, it's one thing to know that in your head; it's an entirely different thing to experience it in your heart. Yeah. So I, I like that outline. That's a great approach to. Uh, um, experiencing and studying the scripture in a devotional reading plan. Uh, what's true? What's the good news? What do I need to repent of? And what do I need to ask for? Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever done Lectio Divina? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm picking up on your language and your, you know, your body language. That's not one of your favorite approaches to scripture, is it? I think it may be as much that the person who introduced it came across as flaky. (laughs) And it's like, well, if this is deeply impacting her and this is the flakiness that's the other end of it, maybe it's not for me. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully you'll repent. That's not judgy at all, right? Hopefully one day you'll repent of that. It's a it's an ancient practice, and you know you're the you're the early church father approach to to Christianity. It's it goes back a ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lectio divina divina literally means what divine listening, right? Mm-hmm. A divine reading, and just an opportunity to um, to listen to scripture as it's being read, whether you're reading it out loud mm-hmm. or listening it to, to someone else read it. Uh, whether it's part of a, a Bible app. Uh, and the idea is you just spend time listening to the Scripture, um, in, in many cases multiple times, mm-hmm. and just inviting the Holy Spirit to uh, raise your awareness of a word or a phrase or an image. And I think that that was probably the, the piece that was just like, a word? Like, What? Like, what if the word that comes across is like, but? Like, what, what, if it's, what if it's a preposition? Like, what if... Like, come on, give me something more here. This isn't helpful. Well, actually, it is. <laughs> it can be. And I think of, uh, what is it? Uh, what's the hymn that we sing? Um, Spatford, On the Ship. It is well with my soul, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's the fourth line, even so. There's a, just the phrase, even so. Mm. And oftentimes in older hymnals, that phrase is in quotation marks, as, as though it's being pulled right from the pages of Scripture. Mm. And my understanding is, is that it's taken from the story of the, the, the Hebrew children in the furnace. Mm. Right? Um, and the idea is that you know, God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, um, we're still going to be faithful, and that's just two little words. If she asked for two words, maybe I'd do it differently. <laughs> well, I'll just say it this way: we are we're all wired differently, and uh, it's important that folks find what works for them. And um, it may be important for someone to to practice an approach to devotional Bible reading in a way that they're uncomfortable with and see what God might do with it. Um, you had mentioned earlier uh, in conversation about an immersive Bible study, immersive approach. Yeah. So unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah, uh, it is uh, at its most basic. Uh, read the story and uh, use your divine imagination to put yourself in the shoes of one or more of the characters. Okay. Um, you know, if uh, like I'm trying to think of the... Um, the pericope that uh, Madeline used with us during the the prayer sermon. I think it was uh, uh, the the boat being tossed about. Yes, and the disciples being like, "Jesus, why aren't you waking up? Don't yeah, you he's asleep on the bow of the boat, and why you know, don't you care? Yeah, right. Um, and you know, if if you are doing this, you know, there are several characters you can uh, identify with. Right, you may identify with one of the apostles. You may identify with Jesus. Uh, you may identify with the boat, right? Um, and you know, being able to uh, take the 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 time to you know use your um, you know your sanctified imagination to to try to think through what would that feel like? What would that be like? What you know? 
if I was in that situation, how would I think? How would I feel? Um, I mean, the uh, the place that I tend to go back is you know the uh, the prodigal son story, right? Right. Like, um, you know, if you're the father, if you're the younger son, if you're the the older son, and honestly, it it it's pretty revealing as you read it. Like, who do you identify with? <laughs> sure does. Um, but uh, you know that that practice of of um, of thinking through. Uh, the story, and if you were part of the story, because we are part of the story, um, you know, how would we feel? How would we react? Um, do we find the reactions of the the different uh, participants reasonable? Um, are they irrational? Are they doing what we would do? Are they doing something different? Right. Right. Yeah, that's good. It's good to uh, put. It's your a good stuff- way to slow down especially when reading, you know, a, a narrative story in scripture. Right. And my experience is that oftentimes if you allow God that space, uh, the spirit will reveal things about you that you did not realize, uh, or things that you did, but just pushed down a little too far that you didn't want to deal with it. Um, and, uh, that's, that's a good way to, um, I, I just I just want to say it's a good way for the scripture to come alive in you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hope today in our conversation uh, that it's been helpful for anyone who may be listening, um, clergy or laity alike, um, in their approach to devotionally reading the scriptures. Again, our approach is not, here's how to prepare a sermon uh, or a Bible study. It's just, you know, how do you... Which we did that. If you go back to episode two and episode five, sure, you, you can go and find those answers. Absolutely. <laughs> but this is more about just your personal walk with the Lord yeah. and uh, allowing God's Word to be a, a, a source of life mm. in your journey. Um, and so if you have questions or thoughts, you can email us directly at recoveringmethodism at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening today. Um, and I would just say, you know, our approach here um, is <laughs> the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, it is our primary source of truth. And uh, when we preach here at Riverside Church, uh, it, it's not a, it's not a book study, mm-hmm. and it's not Reader's Digest. It's you know, we we want to spend time in God's Word because yeah. because God has something to say. And right. uh, and uh, it needs to be proclaimed. So thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe, to like our podcast, and to refer it to a friend. Maybe even give us a, a review. That'd be great. Anything else you want to say today, Caleb? Nope. Let's go enjoy that sunshine. It looks great out there. Thanks a lot for listening. See ya. Thanks, everyone. listening to the Recovering Methodism podcast. We hope your heart has been strangely warmed. Be sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a five-star review. God bless.